You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you doing? Fantastic. Happy Friday. Nice, Happy Friday. sunny Friday. Sunny Friday. We skipped spring in Northern yep. Michigan. We have gone from snowbanks and uh, slick roads on Saturday to um, sunny and 70 degrees on Friday. Just like Listen. that. I saw people at the beach yesterday, Nick. <laughs> I'm all for it. Who needs yeah, yeah. Overrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mud months, as we like to call them. <laughs> anyway, here we are. It's uh, the start of the second quarter, end of the first quarter. And, you know, as we like to do, uh, kind of a high level overview of what happened last quarter and kind of tee up where things are set up for second quarter as far as the markets and the economy go. I like it. Our uh, quarterly market review and update. So let's yes. start, if we could, Dave, with our what's going well. What's, what are some of the positive signals that we're seeing in the market? Inflation still appears to be fading. This was our headline positive last, you know, back in January too. A few yep. bumps in the road between then and now, but things seem to be coming under control. Yeah, we just got readings out this week that uh, core or inflation is uh, sitting at year over year, 5% increase. Mm -hmm. So down from so, the highs of close to 10. Still higher than we want it, but the trend is the, the main thing there. Yes, so, moving in the right direction is a good thing as far as inflation is concerned right now. <laughs> so, so the next big positive headline would be that economic data continues to suggest that the U.S. economy is not currently in a recession. We'll get into that in a little more detail here in a minute. But, you know, the the idea of slowing the economy down to bring inflation under control without creating a full-blown recession is still a possibility. That uh, infamous soft landing that the nobody thinks landing. the Fed can do, but are somehow <laughs> managing to maybe, maybe yeah. get there, maybe not. It's yeah. going to be hard I to tell, but they're trying. I feel like we're, it's like watching one of those... Um, one of those 1970, late 1970s airline disaster movies where yeah. the, the stewardess is bringing the plane in and you know it's probably going to work out, but you know everybody's <laughs> kind of on the edge of the theater seat yeah. to see how it's going to play. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because it seems like we came from a place where no everybody was like, oh, this thing's crashing. Oh, there's <laughs> no way. That, now right, there's right. like, it's, you know, right. it's more of a toss up at this point than what people originally thought. So. Right. Also interesting too is, is we've seen a decline in the U.S. dollar, which has helped our international stock. So, you know, long and short, it was an overall positive first quarter for the market, although it was very volatile at times. We had really good January and first half of February numbers. And then, you know, topsy-turvy February and March numbers, but uh, international actually outperformed U.S. So just another reminder that uh, broad diversification is uh, a good play when you're, you know, instead of trying to guess what's going to yeah. outperform, having a mix of all is, is kind of what we would recommend. So you can't have one without the other, right? We can't talk mm -hmm. about positive signals without also pointing out that as always, there's things to be worried about. While we're getting good inflation readings domestically, globally, inflation is still pretty stubborn and too high. And it's mostly coming from services versus goods in the U.S., but uh, it's still there. 
So that's, this, that's for, for me, at least just another great reminder of as much as we like to complain about our country and the financial system, there are some things that are really strong. And one of them is the impact that our central bank can have mm-hmm. compared to when you look like globally at like the European Union, some of these other countries, they just don't have that kind of right, right. Know, ability to manipulate things in a good way. Yeah. And, you know, that would that would make an interesting podcast topic in and of itself. The way it was likened to me once when a couple of European countries were getting in trouble was it'd be like if a if a natural disaster happens in New Orleans, you know, a hurricane hits hits New Orleans, do the people of Ohio get to vote about whether their share of federal taxes are going to go to help, you know, right. correct that where our federal system already has those mechanisms in place, you know, collect from the whole country to shore up the places that need it. Whereas, you know, in Europe, you know, France and Germany have to decide if they're going to help Greece. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're kind of unique in that respect. While overall um, indicators aren't showing recession at this point, the yield curve is inverted and we have low consumer confidence and potentially more rate hikes coming. So the question remains, is a, is a recession coming? Yeah, this is kind of one of those, we've been talking about it for a long time and mm-hmm. we probably said the same thing last quarter. And that is, we've been talking about this recession that's coming next month for the last 18 months. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. So it's Will still, it get it's here still in the cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. So, Nobody can tell you. And if they do, they're, you know, I guess you got a 50-50 shot. So if you were going to gamble on one or the other, you got pretty yeah. good odds. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the end of the day, nobody knows. So Yeah. And and the market's kind of set up around the idea that we will have a soft landing the way the, the data is playing out. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we get a surprise one way or the other, it'll be interesting how the market reacts. So... Indeed. And, and just because we're going into, you know, if we do hit a recession, there's different types of recessions, right? And this right. could be a very, you know, short, soft recession per se, yeah. um, as opposed to some other ones that we've seen in recent history. So, and keep in mind, you know, where, whatever what most people are concerned about, or most of our listeners is what does this mean for our portfolio? And the market is already priced in the idea that we're going through an economic slowdown. It's just a right. question of whether the market's priced in enough of a slowdown or too much of a slowdown, right? right. So, so like the, it's potentially all the damage has already been done, even if we see recessionary numbers, although I'm sure we'll see volatility when it's, when it becomes official. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one of the big things to hit us in first quarter, and we're not sure where we stand on it is the banking crisis. And, you know, that's, that's an interesting byproduct of the Federal Reserve's interest rate increases is it's been extremely hard on banks and has actually caused a couple of failures in some extreme situations. Yeah. So the, the fallout of that is still, you know, we're still kind of figuring it out. You know, is it mm-hmm. these, you know, obviously banks are all struggling to some degree, although JP Morgan just came out with their profits today and seems to be that. And, and yeah. part of it is because it was so late in the quarter, it probably didn't really hit them. Um, right. But they right. seem to be doing fine nonetheless. Yeah. Nobody's um, but, crying for Jamie Dimon right now. But. No. But yeah, so what will the fallout of that be? How will it impact things? More specifically, how does it impact the economy in terms of what credit is available versus are banks going to tighten? And how does that impact the overall economy? Some of these things we just don't know yet. 
Right. And, you know, we've kind of separated some of the things out as different concerns, but, you know, the the whole idea of the Fed orchestrating a soft landing is predicated on what they do with interest rates. But when banks tighten credit because they're having trouble themselves, that has the same effect in a way right. of slowing yeah. the economy down. So, so, so the Fed's got to kind of steer this narrow path of, okay, how much, how much is the fact that we've had two major bank failures and, you know, other banks are going to then be more vigilant on their credit. How much is that going to uh, effectively slow down the economy? Meaning we don't have to raise rates as much. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and probably even a, a quicker impact too, if you will, because it's direct yeah. to consumer in a lot yeah. of cases. So that'll be interesting. You know, it's Mario who helped us prepare this, um, put together a slide that has the returns of a bunch of the financials during the fourth quarter. So, so the S&P 500 was up a little over 4% for the quarter, but you know, some of these major banks in the country, like Morgan Stanley was down 9%, PNC down 19%, you know, US Bancor down 23% for the quarter on their stock price. So, you know, we had a positive quarter, but if you look at, um, you know, these individual components of it, financials really got hit hard. Yeah. So, and we will um, post these slides so our listeners can take a look, but this is basically the bottom 10 contributors of a couple of indexes and they are just littered with financial companies. Uh, I should add, we'll we'll post the slides. We also have a recording of Mario's webinar going through the slides so you can, you can watch it or you can look through it yourself. Yep, absolutely. Um, And then also on the banking crisis, while we're on the topic, if you haven't listened to our podcast on it, that is up as well. So yeah, make sure to check that out if you want more in detail about the banking crisis. We're what, three or four weeks out from recording that? And I think it still holds. And, um, you know, when we record something like that, it's always interesting to see, like, is it going to be out of date two days later, right? I think we joked about it on that podcast that the news was coming in so fast, it was... It was difficult to keep up with, but that that's kind of interesting. You know, this could play out kind of in slow motion over the next six months or 12 months. And that is also true of the way the banking issues played out during the financial crisis is it wasn't all at once and it wasn't sudden necessarily. It was, okay, this bank's in trouble. And then a couple months later, it was someone else, you know, so we've yeah. got to kind of be mindful of that. That's interesting. I remember that, like thinking and, and having talks with, you know, CFAs and people about how, you know, we think it's pretty much contained and they uh, clearly had no idea what they were dealing yeah. with. It. And yeah. um, listen to that podcast for sure, though, because it goes into some details of why this is a lot different than different than 2008, 2009. Yeah. Right. Looking at the next quarter and probably the rest of the year, it's all about the three P's with the Fed, right? Mm-hmm. Pace, pause and pivot. What pace are they going to continue to increase interest rates? At what point can they pause? And when do they have to pivot and start lowering rates? It's interesting because the Fed chairman came out and basically at the last meeting when they raised interest rates, came out and said, we anticipate raising at least once more this year and Mm -hmm. not anticipate reversing course, pivoting and lowering interest rates. Yeah. So, so, so right now we seem to be somewhere between that pace and pause point, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've slowed the pace or at least have indicated the pace is going to slow from what we thought it was going to be back in January, but they're not quite ready to pause yet. And they certainly don't see any reason to start lowering rates anytime soon. Yeah. And it's somewhat interesting looking at the bond market and some of these yield curves, 
it seems as if the market does not believe that the Fed will not pivot this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's some there's some discrepancy there between what the market thinks is going to happen and what the Fed is coming out yeah. and saying. I, I, I've always stuck to the case that the Fed has to act tougher then they, they have to talk tougher than they may actually act because otherwise it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy the other way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're sure. actually seeing, we're seeing the market take a softer stance than what the Fed is indicating. You know, while internally their guidance may feel like that's where they want to head, they can't say that so much because the market will get ahead of them, if that makes sense. But overall, the Fed is still searching and seeking for the quote-unquote soft landing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, can, can the, can the stewardess and the first mate land the plane without, uh, without jostling the passengers too much, right? And that will be the key thing for sure. You know, in, in a literal sense, what they're talking about is can they raise interest rates enough to slow the economy without raising them too much to take the, to reverse us into a recession? And that's, that's literally what they're talking about. Yeah. And so some of the interest rates, obviously, in in raising interest rates, they're looking at inflation. Um, And what we see in inflation right now is actually quite interesting as it relates to the labor market. And that is where we're seeing the majority of inflation right now is in the service sector, not only globally, but also in the U.S., the majority of it right now. So the cost of goods has come down as we fix supply chain issues and Mm -hmm. some of that low consumer confidence, some of that demand has gone away. And so that has really gone down to about where it was, you know, before inflation started creeping up in during the pandemic, the late stages of the pandemic. Yeah. It's the service inflation that still remains. Mario's got a great slide here that people should take a look at where it actually breaks the core inflation into services and goods. And these last couple of readings, 90 to 95% of the inflation that we are still experiencing is coming from services rather than goods. So yeah, most of the supply chain issues at this point are not part of the problem. Yeah. And so where that gets interesting is, you know, depending on how closely you followed some of this stuff in the Fed, but the um, the Fed chairman ha- went in front of Congress and kind of got grilled about, you know, increasing interest rates and slowing down the labor market. But mm-hmm. these service numbers are directly related to, if you think of it, like the cost of a good doesn't really, isn't really impacted by labor, right? But the cost of right. a service absolutely 100% is. Right. And so that's where a lot of this inflation comes from. We still have very low unemployment. We still have two job openings for every job seeker, which means that one of the major ways to compete for that, Dave, is by increasing the price that you pay for labor, right? And that directly relates to what you then have to charge for that service. You know, in terms of stickiness, like, like the price of a two by four at the lumber yard, if it goes up too much and nobody buys it, it will come back down. Right? right, and we'll see that that price be elastic is the yep. the um, fancy ec- economist term for it. If somebody's working at McDonald's and you give them an increase in wages from ten dollars to fourteen dollars an hour, you can't very easily go back down. When you know you that the the wages aren't as aren't as elastic, right? You know, the price of services aren't as elastic as goods. Yeah, we'll uh, 
Yeah, you know, they're they're more likely to just lay people off or not hire anyone than they are to tell somebody they're taking a three dollar an hour pay cut. Right. Yeah. So so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We've been saying this talking this same thing in one form or another for 18, 24 months now, I think. Back to, you know, the recession alarms, mm-hmm. you know, the the chart of indicators, economic indicators, things like personal income, non-farm payroll employments, things like that all show that the economy has been slowing down over the last six months, but nothing is flashing red recession danger at the moment. Yeah, so super interesting that, you know, we've, we're talking about this upcoming recession, but we're just not really seeing it in a lot of the numbers right yeah. now. And so, yeah. you know, that can obviously change very quickly. Yes, there's a lot um, of variables and it, it can change in real time. Yep. So we're watching it. Yeah. But currently, you know, we're still in a decent, you know, middle ground as far as that goes. You know, looking at the markets, it was a good quarter for bonds, recovering some of the losses across the board, like every different type of bond out there had a positive uh, Mm -hmm. return for the uh, first quarter. Still, with the exception of intermediate term munis, which were positive for the last 12 months, um, you know, mostly negative 12 month returns from the bond market. But you know, uh, at least you know some what that means, right, Dave? Time to buy. The 60 40 oh. portfolio is back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, well, the Wall Street Journal ran an article with that exact headline. That's right. Um, I don't think they put the baby in there. I think it was just the 60 40 portfolio is back, something to that effect this week. That's right. I looked at that because I thought there might be some things we could use from there, but there wasn't. It, it, there wasn't a lot of meat to the article. I was a little disappointed. But That's yeah, right. last year we were seeing all the, what do you, you know, we were getting the media requests, like, what do you tell clients to do now that the 64 portfolio is dead? And ah. I was, I, you know, I always just think of the old, um, the old Mark Twain joke about, you know, rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated or something. You know, That's right. Something That's that right. I'll mangle well, we another did a- quote for us. We did a podcast on the, we did. the 6040 portfolio and and I'm pretty sure that we proclaimed that it wasn't dead. So yeah. we do prediction season every year. That's when right. We we'll have to right. remember that next January <laughs> when we look at our predictions that uh, yeah. maybe we got maybe we got that one right. But I mean, think about it. If if an asset class underperforms for a period of time, it's likely to then bounce back because the market generally overdoes it. And in this case, it just happened to be both stocks and bonds were down at the same time. And now both are positive. It's more of a return to normalcy from kind of an extremely stressed situation last year. Yeah, and it's it's a welcome sign simply from the fact that if we do go into recession or you know if we do have another downturn, the bond portion of your portfolio is going to be a much better buffer than it was yes. previously because of where we're starting from. Right. And now those, now those bonds have upside again, plus mm-hmm. they have higher yields. Right. So, you know, we, we've talked about this with a, a lot in client reviews the last couple of weeks, but you know, your bond funds may have been down the last 12 months, but now they're going to pay you more interest instead of just, you know, return on price moving. And mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's actually a good trade-off in the long run. Um, let's see. Moving on to uh, stock returns for the quarter. Yeah, equity markets. Like looking at the all cap index, actually positive 7.2% for the quarter. That's a, that's a pretty good quarter, except it was on the back of, you know, four really bad quarters. Yeah. So, 
So 7.2% for the quarter, but still minus 8.6 looking back 12 months. So we're see- basically we're, we're, we're seeing some recovery. That's interesting. And in a lot of these client meetings, I think people are kind of surprised at that. Mm-hmm. Like when you listen to what's on the news right now, the financial media, you would not think that we're up 7% in the first quarter. Yeah. And it, and it was across the board, all asset classes with the exception of small cap value. So small, small companies that, that tend to trade at a lower price to earnings ratio and who makes up a lot of American companies that trade as value stocks. Those bottom beaters in the, uh, in the financial sector that took everything down. Your, your regional and sub-regional banks. And we already talked about some of the returns on, we talked mostly about the big companies, but that's where the financial industry lives and breathes is actually in the small cap value space. Mm-hmm. And that was still, it was negative 0.7% for the quarter, but that was basically, you know, the, the anomaly among the, among stocks that, um, that uh, were held down yeah. by the banking sector. So I don't know, we didn't break it down, but my guess is probably pretty similar returns. And then the financial sector being so negative, drag that down. Yeah. Yeah. It was that. Well, and and we do see the same thing in large cap value, which would be all those regional and and national, you know, the two big to fail banks there while, you know, overall stock market was up nicely. The uh, large cap value space was only up a percent. So that was largely on the back of all those big banks also struggling. So that's the good news as uh, we had a good quarter, but unfortunately we're still kind of getting back. So if you look at the last 12 months, still not, you know, better than they were last quarter, Mm -hmm. Uh, but certainly trending down still, although most of them under double digits in terms of losses. So where do we go from here? It's, it's interesting, you know, trying to separate out, the market from the economy, right? Because yes. things, don't, things don't feel good and we know consumer confidence is low and we're watching to see how the Fed pulls this off. But at the same time, you know, the, the statistics for the stock market as the Federal Reserve, it, like historically when the Federal Reserve gets to that pause point in their rate mm-hmm. cycle, the returns are, are really good for stocks going forward 12 months out of that. It's, you know, we, we don't, we never know we never know exactly what'll, how it'll play out and history doesn't necessarily repeat, but usually rhymes, right? You know, you don't want to get too caught up in the current headlines, focus on the fact that the market is going to be trying to anticipate the next move. And if the next move after inflation starts to peter out and the Fed can change, can pause and then ultimately pivot is positive for stocks and you don't want to miss that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a great reminder that we really don't know what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months, which is why we try not to focus on it. When you look at some of those longer term goals and objectives and the longer term, Mm -hmm. we're very bullish on what a portfolio would look like over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the thing that we constantly have to remind ourselves. Yeah. Talk about, you know, in our client meetings, we're constantly having that conversation of, you know, here's what happened over the last 15 years. And yet the stock market is still averaged close to 10% rate of return in that time frame. That includes 2008, a global pandemic in 2020 and high inflation in 2022. And so just keep that into perspective. Right. 
It's really about the long term. Kind of echo that. One thing that comes up quite often is, well, I'm, I'm retired or I'm close to retired. I don't have the long term anymore. But you know, if you're, if you're 65 years old today, in retirement may still be a 35 year game for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, th- I think people lose sight of that. And that doesn't mean you invest the same way you would have as when you were 25, but don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, when we talk in terms of the long term, for most of our clients, that still is encompassing, you know, what we would expect for them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, that's a great point, Dave. And, and the other thing that I would say to that too is, it's challenging right now because of how volatile the stock market's been. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in a very long time, you can go to the bank and buy a CD for 4%, Mm -hmm. 5%. And it's been a really long time since that happened. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people make the mistake that that's a good long-term solution. Right. Unfortunately, what bears out is that that, you know, typically will go with whatever inflation is and you yes. normally make less than what inflation is by yes. going into yes. cash type assets. So yes. not that that shouldn't be some part of your overall strategy, but not your whole strategy. And my fear right. right now is that people look at those safety asset classes that are finally paying a little bit more and are moving or relying on them too much as a part of their overall strategy. Right. And and essentially what you what you would be could potentially be doing is taking that money, locking it in at four percent or five percent for a certain period of time, just at the time that things pivot the other way and all of a sudden you're if you'd left things invested, you'd be up, you know, enough to make up for, for all the damage that was done. The time to make those decisions is actually when the market's high, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So Lots of uh, lots of things to keep an eye on. Some reasons for optimism, some reasons for concern, as always. And uh, that's what it means to be an investor. Indeed, the best solution is to have a plan and stick to it. So there you go. I think we can need, do that for people. That's right. If you need help developing that plan, feel free to reach out to info at srbadvisors.com. We'd love to help with that. Dave, as always, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Nick. I'll talk to you. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.